0: Let's read from 2nd John, beginning at verse 1 and down to verse 6. This is what it says. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace be with us all, from God the Father, and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment but the one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Notice as we begin that the author does not mention his name. Traditionally, of course, the book has been attributed to John, but he identifies himself here in this epistle simply as the elder, the elder to the elect lady and her children. Now, the Greek word used here is presbyteros, which refers to initially an old man or a senior, but has come also to uh, refer to an office in the church but in this case, it may be best to understand it to refer to John in his older years in his, as an elder gentleman. And of course, the biblical understanding of old age is such that the elderly people in that time were respected for their age and the wisdom that came with that age. Consider, for example, the law of Moses, which stated in Leviticus 19 and verse 32 You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. And so to show respect for the elderly, a person was required to stand up when that person or the elder person approached in recognition of their presence. And so by introducing himself as the elder or a senior, John is reminding the readers that he had lived a lot of years and had experienced much, but more than this, he had lived faithfully as a servant of God for those years and had much to share. And so John's words were to be seriously considered because of his age, his experience, his wisdom, and tried to true experience with the Lord over many, many years. Now, John the Elder writes this letter, according to verse 1, to the elect lady and her children. The word elect in the Greek language simply refers to one who is chosen or select. And the idea here is that this lady was a special lady, specifically chosen by God for himself. And so the question we ask ourselves is this, who is this lady and who are her children? Well, notice first that the letter does not just speak to, uh, is not just addressed to the elect lady, but also to her children. And so we're referring here, not to just one person, but to a group of people, the elect lady and her children. Notice second, In verses 4 to 6, that John challenges this group to learn to walk in love for one another. Notice also in verses 7 to 11 that he encourages them to deal with false teachers that were among them. And so this combination of facts, the fact that John is writing to a group of individuals, the elect lady and her children, that, that he challenges them to learn to love one another and that he challenges them to deal with false teachers among them. Many commentators have concluded because of that, that John is writing to the church And if this is the case, then the chosen lady, of course, is the church, and her children are the members of that church. Now, it is possible, certainly, to think of the lady as a mother of uh, and her children, uh, but the challenges of John in this epistle seem to better fit that of a church. And so, for our purpose here, we're going to consider the elect lady and refer to her as the church. Notice what John tells us about the elect lady and her children in verse one, whom I love in truth. John assures the church here that he loves her in truth. That is, he loves her with a sincere love. And, and John not only expresses his sincere true love for this church, but he goes further than this, and he says this, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. He tells the church that, that she was also loved, not only by him as the elder, but also by all who knew the truth about Jesus Christ. And John is confidence to say this because of the fact that he taught, of the fact that he taught in First John that those who knew the truth had God, the God of love, in their heart. And because of the truth that abided in them, look at what he says in verse 2, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. In other words, he knows that all Christians have a love in their heart for each other because the truth of God, the God of love, was in every believer and that truth about Jesus Christ had transformed their lives and they were a renewed people. And John describes God who lives within them as a God of love and where God dwells, there is love. And when God lived in the heart, that heart loved his children. And so because he knew the God of love who lived in these believers, John was able to say with confidence to the elect lady and her children that they were loved by all who dwelt in that truth. Because God was in every true believer, so was his love for his children. And of course, that love would be demonstrated by How the believers cared for one another. By this, you shall know, they shall know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. And one of the clear signs of the presence of God in our midst and in the midst of the church is the love we experience for one another and the willingness we have to sacrifice and to stand with each other, just as Jesus did for us. And so, John begins here. By reminding this elect lady that he loved her in truth. And he was confident that many and all, in fact, who loved and knew the truth of Jesus Christ and had him living in their hearts. They too would love her as the elect and chosen lady of the Lord. Now notice John's prayer for the elect lady and her children in verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. See, John's wish for the church was that she experienced the unmerited favor of God and that that favor be showered down upon her members. What would we do without the unmerited favor of God? We're dependent on God for His grace to serve and to minister to each other. We're dependent upon God for the love and the patience to to be in a relationship with each other. We're dependent on Him for this grace to serve and even to live for Him. And John's desire is that the abundant and unmerited favor of God be showered in abundance upon His church, and that is the desire of God as well for you and for me. And if we're to be useful. We must draw from that grace each and every day. Now, who among us has not failed in our walk with God? Who among us has not fallen short and sinned? And so it's for this reason that John prays, secondly, for the abundant mercy of God. We're an imperfect people, And were it not for the mercy of God, where would we be today? He extends that mercy through that mercy, forgiveness when we fall short. And that mercy extends blessing when we find ourselves in deep need. And who among us is not in need of this mercy and kindness each and every day? And so John prays. That the church would know the daily kindness and, and patience and forgiveness and compassion of the Lord in their shortcomings. But thirdly, John also prays for peace. Now, that peace certainly comes from a relationship with God and a right relationship with God. And that not only in regards to our salvation, but also in our regards to our ongoing relationship with God. In 2022, I found myself in a place where I had lost much peace with God because of the tremendous pressure that was on me to supply material to so many people around the world. And this burden had become so much that it began to wear me out, and I was overwhelmed all the time, feeling swamped and overcome. And God showed me at the end of that year how much I needed to find peace with him in this ministry. That peace of God can be lost for many reasons in our lives. And John prays that each believer would be able to live in this peace with God on a daily basis. He tells us that this peace is a result of the truth of truth and the love of God that lives in us. And peace, he says, will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in love. Now we lose our peace when we question the truth of God and our relationship with him. We lose our peace when we fail to understand the nature of his love for us. And so truth, doubting the truth, questioning his love is a sure way for us to lose some of that peace that God has given to us. But when we understand the truth of Jesus and his love for us, our hearts are filled with peace in every situation. You see, God's truth and love reassure our hearts that he is in control that he is seeking our good that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose that we are loved by God and our destiny is assured all of these things the truth of the scriptures and the love of God reassure our hearts and give us peace and so paul john rather prays that god would extend his unmerited favor, his abundant mercy, and his awesome peace to each one who was part of that church, the church of the elect lady. Now, having introduced the letter, John moves now to his first challenge. And that challenge, of course, is to love one another. Notice how he introduces this section by the words in verse four, the beginning of verse four, where he says this, I rejoice greatly, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. Notice that phrase, some of your children walking in the truth. Now, in other words, some were not walking in the truth. And John could have put this a different way, another way. He could have said, it grieves me deeply that not all of your children are walking in the truth. But John looks at the positive side here. And and it's easy for us always to be looking at what's wrong rather than encouraging the good. Now, there's a place for both. But sometimes, however, by focusing on those who have failed, we ignore those who have been faithful and done what's right. And John takes a moment here to recognize that in the midst of a situation where many have wandered from the truth, there were those who persevered and were faithful in that truth, and John takes a moment to recognize those people and says, I am greatly rejoicing that you as these people who are being faithful are walking in the truth, despite all that's happening around us and out of love for those individuals, he recognizes their faithfulness and commends them in the midst of darkness for letting their light shine. Now, having commended those who were faithful to the Lord, John now moves on to challenge believers in the church to take heed to the command of scripture to love one another. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as so I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning that we love one another. And so John writes to the church And he expresses their need to love one another. Now, let's consider for a moment the context. And the context was that only some people in the church were walking in the truth. Now, how do we treat those who are not walking in the truth? As we have heard from the beginning, we must love one another. And what is the loving thing to do for the wandering sheep? Restore to the fold, where it can be cared for, where it can be loved. And Jesus demonstrates his love in the parable of the lost sheep. And when a sheep wanders from the fold, how did he respond toward it? The shepherd left the 99 and went out to search for that lost sheep. He loved that sheep enough. That he did everything possible to win it back to fellowship. Love one another. How does the church treat those who've wandered from the truth? John shows us that we need to love them as Jesus loves us. Now, notice how John concludes his challenge to love. And this is love, he says in verse 6, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And so John is saying this If you love God, you will walk in accordance with his commandments. And if you say you love God, but walk in disobedience, you deceive yourself and sin. And to say you love God is to love his ways. To to love God is to seek fellowship with him. And that's not possible if you're living in rebellion and sin. And so John is telling us here in this passage that if we love God, then that love will be expressed in two ways. First, if we love God, our love for God will be demonstrated by how we love one another those who are loved by God and in whom the truth of God lives and dwells will love their brother and their sister. And that love will be unconditionally conditional. It will be demonstrated to the 99 faithful she- sheep in the fold, but also to the one lost sheep who has wandered. And so, first, our love for God will be demonstrated. In our love for one another. But second, our love for God is demonstrated by walking in God's ways and purposes. Those who love God will not want to displease Him They will not walk in ways that are repulsive to him. They will not grieve him by disobedience and rebellion. To love God is to commit ourselves to walking faithfully with him. And so our love for God is demonstrated by our love for one another and our love for God's ways. Now the question we ask ourselves here is this, Does our love for God challenge us to question how each decision we make in life will honor him as our Lord? How will what I do demonstrate my love for him? Am I willing to die to my own passions to demonstrate my love for him? Does his love for me motivate me to walk in unhindered fellowship with him? Does his love for me challenge me to love my brothers and sisters just as he loved me? For John, those who knew the truth knew love. And the love of Christ in them motivated them to obedience and sacrificial love, even towards those who had wandered from the truth. And so John's challenge to love and to allow the love of God within us to motivate us to loving one another, the 99 faithful and the ones who have wandered. And not only to love one another, but to demonstrate that love by obedience, faithful obedience to the Lord God. And so, may the Lord give us the grace to reflect the love that he has put in our hearts towards one another and in faithful obedience to him.